Hi, this is Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the Free Reads Podcast. And a special hello to those of you who arrived last week from Boing Boing Land. This podcast, like the world in general, and science fiction in particular, is in a state of flux. It started out as a showcase for my short fiction, and then morphed into its current state, a retrospective of some of my favorite columns from the On the Net series, which runs bi-monthly in Asimov's science fiction magazine. And yet another change is in the offing, since I intend to start reading my novel, Look into the Sun, in the new year. Meanwhile, feverish preparations continue on Secret Story Project X, which is taking place on an uncharted island off the coast of New Hampshire, and which is how we got into this mess in the first place. Do I worry that listeners are being thrown willy-nilly out of this literary roller coaster ride as it jerks from one track to another? Absolutely. Do I understand that fans of my fiction are justifiably upset that I'm reprising these feeble attempts at journalism? No question. Am I aware that the folks who are just coming to this podcast for the links will leave in droves when I start reading my novel? Alas, it is to be expected. Am I going to continue to ask myself questions and then answer them like some sci-fi Donald Rumsfeld? Actually, no. This column on the singularity is old, old, old. It's from December of 2001, which means that it was written in the spring of 2001. I chose it because, when I turned it in, I felt like I had joined in on an important conversation within science fiction in particular, and the world in general. I realized that conversation has continued, and that for some of you, this is going to seem like revealing in 2001 that Dean Kamen's much-hyped invention, codenamed Ginger, was in fact not a Star Trek-like transporter, but rather the Segway. And I make no guarantee for the links, other than that some of them are surely dead. But enough bad-mouthing my own work. The fact is, I'm pretty proud of this one. So here's... Singular. This column begins with a quote. Within 30 years, we will have the technological means to create superhuman intelligence. Shortly after, the human era will be ended. Abstract of a paper given by Werner Vinge at the Vision 21 Symposium, March 30th to 31st, 1993. Section 1. The End Begins. Of course, being science fiction readers, we saw the singularity coming long before the mundane world. In fact, one of our best writers and thinkers, Werner Vinge, actually named it. I can't seem to find an official page for Vinji, but do check out the singular Werner Vinji page. Vinji's idea is that, with the accelerating advances in technology, it won't be long before something surpasses human intelligence. The paths to that singular something are many. One leads to, and passes through, artificial intelligence. Is it possible to design a hardware-slash-software interface that will embody a strong AI, one that can pass the Turing test? 
This famous thought experiment was first proposed by the mathematician, cryptographer, and cybernetic visionary, Alan Turing. Imagine a setup in which both a human and a computer could respond to questions anonymously, so that the interrogator had no clues as to whether the responses came from man or machine, other than by whatever he could glean from their content. If a computer were clever enough to fool the human interrogator, Turing asked, why would we not judge it as intelligent as a human? For years, experts have debated whether the Turing test is valid and whether any computer will ever be able to pass it. But if a computer should pass the test, it seems unlikely that the human standard will be the upper limit of intelligence. Technological momentum will carry our creations far beyond our own gene-given capabilities. And what happens then? Another path to singularity leads through improved human-slash-machine interfaces. What if we could enhance our memory and creativity cybernetically? Sophomores could plug a geometry chip into a slot in the backs of their heads. Your Palm Pilot's granddaughter would live just east of your occipital lobe. Since the 80s, science fiction writers have been busily exploring the notion of wetware, a slippery term, which sometimes refers to the human nervous system, but which more often describes a mind with both biological and manufactured components. Coinage of the term wetware is commonly attributed to Rudy Rucker, professor of mathematics at San Jose State University and gonzo transrealist. Yet another path would involve purely biological improvements to intelligence, not to mention the human body. The mapping phase of the Human Genome Project is already ahead of schedule and offers the tantalizing prospect that we might someday be able to control the evolution of future generations or even tinker with your genes and mine. The singularity starts the day after the first post-human baby is born, or possibly around the time that Grandpa Kelly gets his hayflick limit reset. Section 2. Read these now. Werner Vinge's original paper is already eight years old, an eternity in these fast-forward times, yet it repays close reading and rereading after all, Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America is 166 years old and people continue to consult it. Am I saying that a mere science fiction writer's insights are as important as those of the legendary de Tocqueville? Well, if Werner Vinge is right, then the singularity will be the mother of all revolutions, more important than the American, French, Industrial, and Russian revolutions combined, and then squared. Vinge wrote of the dilemma of hard science fiction writers attempting to imagine a future dominated by some form of superhumanity. Quote, more and more, these writers felt an opaque wall across the future. Once, they could put such fantasies millions of years in the future. Now, they saw that their most diligent extrapolations resulted in the unknowable. Soon. Once, galactic empires might have seemed a post-human domain. Now, sadly, 
even interplanetary ones are. Close quote. He went on to say that as the singularity hurtles down upon us, more and more of our cultural institutions would sense its looming shadow. Six years later, two books were published which took a hard look at the singularity. One was Robot, Mere Machine to Transcendent Mind by Hans Moravec. I commended this book and Professor Moravec to your attention in an earlier installment. Suffice it to say that Moravec makes a valiant and at times awe-inspiring attempt to peek through the singularity, although he does not exactly endorse the concept in so many words, and see what's on the other side. The other was The Age of Spiritual Machines by Ray Kurzweil. Kurzweil is the Thomas Edison of the computer age. He was principal developer of, quotes, the first omnifont optical character recognition, the first print-to-speech reading machine for the blind, the first CCD flatbed scanner, the first text-to-speech synthesizer, the first music synthesizer capable of recreating the grand piano and other orchestral instruments, and the first commercially marketed large vocabulary speech recognition. Close quotes. The Age of Spiritual Machines is a delightful read, a tour of the next hundred years guided by a gifted futurist with a sense of humor. In it, Kurzweil argues that we'll probably be taking the middle path to the singularity. We and our computers will become one. You'll find lively essays by diverse hands about the singularity on Kurzweil AI net, including Tearing Toward the Spike by Australian SF writer Damien Broderick. What is Friendly AI? by Eleazar S. Yudkowsky, a force in the Singularitarian community. Singularity Math Trialogue by Kurzweil, Moravec, and Vinji, actually an exchange of email. And an excerpt from Kurzweil's next book, The Singularity is Near. As an aside, I should add that Kurzweil AINet is the most amazing site I've visited since I began this gig. It addresses not only the singularity, but also immortality, virtual reality, machine consciousness, and a range of possible futures. Some of the great visionaries of our time have contributed essays to the site and return from time to time to defend their thinking on the bulletin board. From this site, you can download Aaron, an AI that creates original paintings, or meet Ramona, the first live virtual recording and performing artist who just happens to be Kurzweil's female alter ego. But as important as Robot and the Age of Spiritual Machines were, the general public did not really twig to the idea that we might experience the singularity in our lifetimes until Wired ran Bill Joy's apocalyptic Why the Future Doesn't Need Us in its April 2000 issue. The memorable cover illustration was of a crumpled page of a dictionary that read in part, quote, human, adjective, of, belonging to, or typical of the extinct species Homo sapiens, end quote. Where Kurzweil takes a fairly optimistic view of the end of the world as we know it, Joy, chief scientist of Sun Microsystems, worries that the coming of superintelligence will lead to human extinction. He draws an analogy between people working on singularitarian technologies like Kurzweil and Moravec, and himself, 
and the scientists who developed the atom bomb. Maybe they should never have signed on to the Manhattan Project, and maybe we should now rein in our own R&D efforts. Quotes, the only realistic alternative I see, Joy writes, is relinquishment. To limit development of the technologies that are too dangerous by limiting our pursuit of certain kinds of knowledge. Close quote. Section 3. Says you. Joy's article caught the mainstream media by surprise. And soon, ABC, BBC, NPR, USA Today, The New York Times, and The Washington Post, among others, swarmed the story. The staff at the Center for the Study of Technology and Society has posted an excellent summary of the backing and forthing at Bill Joy's High Tech Warning. This page outlines the arguments for both sides of the relinquishment issue and points to possible compromises. But there are those who scoff at Bill Joy's anxiety attack. For example, the Singularity Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Its charitable purpose is, quotes, to bring about the singularity, the technological creation of greater than human intelligence, by building real AI. We believe that such a singularity would result in an immediate, worldwide, and material improvement to the human condition. Close quote. The secretary-slash-treasurer of the Singularity Institute is Eliezer S. Yudkowsky, who has a short piece on friendly AI over at Kurzweil AI.net. From the Institute's page, you can click to the more ambitious Creating Friendly AI 0.9, an enthusiastic book-length exploration of the concept. Then there are the Transhumans, a group that seeks, quotes, the continuation and acceleration of the evolution of intelligent life beyond its currently human form and human limitations by means of science and technology guided by life-promoting principles and values. Close quotes. Not to mention their close allies, the Extropians, who advocate a specific flavor of transhumanism. You can click to various attacks on relinquishment from this page. Among them is a response to Bill Joy by Ray Kurzweil, who serves on the Council of Advisors to the Extropy Institute. Kurzweil disagrees with Joy on the granularity of relinquishment, by which he means that entire technologies need not be abandoned when only certain specific outcomes need to be prevented. As an example, he points out that Eric Drexler, the guru of nanotechnology, has called for researchers to relinquish development of entities that can replicate in the natural environment. Section 4. Exit. Do I believe that we're headed for the techno-rapture? I honestly don't know, although my own novels and stories are certainly filled with transhuman themes. I do believe that the future is going to be strange in ways that may break those who aren't intellectually and emotionally flexible. Let me come at the question from another direction. Earlier this year, the online version of Locus asked its readers to, quotes, name the five deceased 20th century science fiction and fantasy writers you think will still be read 50 years from now, close quotes. The top five in order, according to this sample of S.F. Cognoscenti, were Robert A. Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, J.R.R. Tolkien, 
Philip K. Dick, and Frank Herbert. While I might argue with the ranking of these worthies, and urge consideration of several who are missing, they strike me as being a reasonable roster of science fiction's Valhalla at this point in time. But the accuracy of this list assumes that we know who will be reading this stuff in 2051. Werner Vinge, born in 1944, is a long way from being deceased, thank you very much. But for my money, we, and whatever entities we share the world with in 50 years, will regard him as one of the immortals. That's all for our tour of post-humanity. Unplug your wetware and get back to work. But do consider clicking back here again next time when I put on a funny hat and assess the state of humor in science fiction, circa 2003. Until then, this is Jim Kelly. Thanks for sticking with free reads. <laughs>